You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. I am Seth Peterson. I am Debbie Hedren. I'm Rhonda Schwartz. I'm Doris Roberts. This is Jesslyn Gilson. Hello, I'm Victor Webb. Hi, this is Charlotte Ross. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. What's up, you guys? This is AJ from the Bashing Club. Hi, this is Shannon Elizabeth, and you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. And you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. With John Patch. John Patch. You're listening to Talkin' Pets with John Patch. Hello, America, and welcome to Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. Join John and his expert guests with all of your pet questions, concerns, comments, and stories. Now it's time for Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. And welcome to Talkin' Pets, heard coast to coast on your favorite radio station. This is Talkin' Pets, and I'm John Patch. Joining us from Livingston Animal and Avian Hospital out of Lutz, Florida, is... Dr. Sue Toper. Here to answer your training questions, your medical questions, uh, those behavior questions about your pets at 844-287-2876. When you call into that number, you'll speak with Mr. Zach Buden. Hadley Doodley Patch. And he'll put you on the line with us. That's 844-287-2876. 844-287-2876. The show is produced by the ever-so-lovely Miss Lexi Lapp. Why, hello. Hi, Lexi. Hi. How you doing? Good. Good? Doing well. Yeah? Yeah. Sure? Yeah. Positive. <laughs> well, joining us actually today, too, for a couple of minutes is Kirk Miller, Dr. Kirk Miller. He's clinical instructor, Oregon State University, and also the uh, practicing veterinarian with the Oregon Humane Society in Portland. By the way, you can listen to us out there in Portland, and a big shout-out to Keith and Jenny and the family at KBNP. But once again, you are listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. And I'm Dr. Sue Toper. I'm Lexi Lab. And I'm Cheech Mara. And you're listening to Talking Pets. Come on, Sue. Don't tell me you don't know this song. I do know this song. I cannot sing. I freely admit it. Do you not know that the 80s, we were talking about this with some friends, the 80s were probably the best years. Not only, you know, I sometimes wonder, maybe because I was young, yeah, well, there you have it, John. I mean, that could be part of it. But the other part is the music, mm-hmm. the fashion, the world. I mean, the yeah. 80s seemed to be a much better place. It was a different time. <laughs> it was. It definitely was. It was, it was. it was definitely a good time. The music was, was great. I love the music in the 80s. It's like, too bad we just can't bring that back. Everything comes back around. It does. You're right. It, it evolves. It definitely yeah. evolves. But there's always uh, new things, and hopefully the new things are better than the old things in the long run. And there's actually a new procedure out there when you're spaying cats. And I want to welcome on and find out a little bit about it, actually, and, and welcome on Kirk Miller. Now, he's the clinical instructor with the College of Veterinary Medicine at Oregon State University and practicing veterinarian with the Oregon Humane Society in Portland. Kirk, welcome to Talking Pets. Hi there. Thanks for having me today. It's nice to have you on the air with us. I want to introduce you to uh, Dr. Sue and also Lexi here. Hi. Hello. Hi, Dr. Kirk. Now, we got to find out some, what's going on with... The, there's a new procedure out there when you're spaying cats, and it is called, if I'm, if I'm correct on this, it's pedicle tie? Correct, yeah. So the, uh, it's a different way of ligating the ovarian pedicle or the, the main blood supply to the two ovaries in the cat. So what's the difference, though? I mean, first of all... Um, at the animal shelters, you're practicing this procedure out in Portland right now at the, at your shelter, Humane Society. Correct. Yes, we're, we've been uh, we've been doing this procedure for many years at the Oregon Humane Society, and it's actually uh, done it at numerous places around the country. But what I uh, wanted to do was to uh, to learn more about it 
and to get something into the peer-reviewed veterinary literature about this procedure because a lot of shelters and a lot of humane organizations are starting to do this procedure, but nothing's really known about it. So we had two main questions. One, is the procedure safe? And two, is it faster? And so we designed a study to try to answer those two questions. Now, when you did the study, how many, like, for instance, how many cats did you do the operation on, the procedure, in order to find out right. whether the study works or not? Right. So the, the first phase was finding out, one, is it safe? And so what we did was we looked at over 2,100 surgeries, and we monitored for complications, and we found that the complication rate was extremely low. Uh, so it's definitely a safe procedure. And then in the second phase of the study, we were wondering, is it faster than the traditional method? And so we timed over 200 of the procedures, um, 100 of the traditional method, 100 of the, the new pedicle time method, and we found that we saved, uh, it was about 30% faster using the new technique. Well, let me ask you, what's, why does it have to be faster? I mean, why can't you just stay with the typical procedure that's been done all this time? Why do you want to speed up the procedure by doing a pedicle tie? Excellent question. Well, one, when we're looking at surgery, every moment that you're under, under anesthesia, your patient is at greater risk for anesthetic complications, for infection. The list goes on and on. So we, want, we always want procedures to be as fast as possible. And then secondly, when you're doing a, a large volume of surgeries, we do many thousands of surgeries every year just at the Oregon Humane Society. Saving two minutes per procedure adds up to many hours over a year. So there's a, a significant financial impact as well as uh, the safety factor. So let me, let me ask you too, when, when you, do, uh, you were talking about complications like safety-wise, what, what could right. go wrong or in that 2,100 cats that you did the procedure on so far, you said there was a small percentage of issues. What are the right. issues? Well, the, the main complication that, that you're looking at when you're looking at a new way to tie a blood vessel, you're mainly looking for hemorrhage. So that's the main thing that we are monitoring for. And Dr. Miller, can you describe, just because I'm really interested in this, like how is the tie different in, you know, basically? Right. So as we're all taught in veterinary school, you need to, to ligate the, the ovarian vessel, the big blood vessel that goes to both ovaries. And so traditionally we're taught to double ligate that vessel. So wrap right. two sutures around the vessel and tie it very tightly. With the pedicle tie, what you do is you just wrap it around itself kind of like tying a knot in the end of a shoelace. Okay, kind of like we do sometimes more in the male neuter cats? Exactly. It's okay. exactly the same, the same technique. Same principle. Now I understand. Right. So when you're doing a pedicle tie procedure now versus the old procedure, um, mm -hmm. what about, like, a lot of people, I know for a fact, you know, through 26 years of doing the show, and Sue knows as well, the questions that we get here on, on this show, and I'm sure you get it in your practice, and I'm sure, you know, Dr. Miller, you do as, as well. There seems to be that the pet parents have a concern about um, putting their pets under, using anesthesia. I mean, does that cut back on the time or chances of anything going wrong in that department as well? Right, exactly. By cutting the total time by 30%, we're definitely making it faster, so we're definitely making it safer. Well, it really sounds very kind of simple but elegant, quite frankly, to me. The rest of the procedure is the same, though, Dr. Miller? 
Right, exactly. And thank okay. you. I, I, I thought it was a pretty simple, elegant study. Um, you know, it was something that was already being done. I didn't have to slow down what was being done at the, at the Humane Society because I, I certainly don't want to interfere with our work there. But I did want to, to study this procedure and, uh, and, just, and just get something out into the literature and publicize that this is being done and that it is an excellent procedure. So when people across the country that are listening right now, when they go to their vet and they want to get their, their cat spayed, they can pretty much say, hey, um, I want to have the pedicle uh, tie done. And if their vet looks at them with a, like a deer in headlights look, is there a place where they can find out the information on this? And, and don't go away. We're going to take a little break. Uh, Dr. Miller will be right back. We're speaking with uh, Dr. Kirk Miller. He is the clinical instructor with the College of Veterinary Medicine at Oregon State University and practicing veterinarian with the Oregon Humane Society in Portland. Once again, uh, if you have a question, you can give us a call at 844-287-2876. That's 844-287-2876. Also, check us out at TalkinPets.com. There's some information about this procedure on there as well on our homepage under the news section. Also, join us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at about 23,000 followers now. We'd like to see that double. So, yeah, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Once again, TalkinPets.com. No G in the talking. T-A-L-K-I-N-Pets.com. I'm John Patch. And I'm Dr. Suzanne Toper. I'm Lexi Lab. And I'm Tommy Chung. And you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Listen, cat people, it's just litter. Until you realize those big boxes mean big smells, big messes, and big money. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter with concentrated power. It guarantees less smells, less work, all with less litter. Try the small bag that lasts one cat 30 days and you'll realize it's just litter. Unless it's World's Best Cat Litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and at your local grocery and pet stores. Amazing Pet Expos is coming to a city near you. Admission is always free, and your pet is welcome. Shopping, adoptions, free nail trims, discounted shots and microchipping, agility, a pet costume contest, and much more. Plus, meet the guys from Animal Planet's hit TV series Tank and Pit Boss online at AmazingPetExpos.com. Bring your pets to the Pet Expo. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Don't you forget about me. And once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. And I'm Dr. Sue Toper. I'm Lexi Lab. And I'm Bud Abbott. And you're listening to Talking Pets. Give us a call at 844-287-2876. We're speaking with Dr. Kirk Miller. And, of course, his position, he is with the, uh, he's the clinical instructor at um, the College of Veterinary Medicine at, at Oregon State University and also practicing veterinarian with the Oregon Humane Society in Portland. Um, Dr. Miller, when we were talking about the procedure, the pedicle tie, and if people, maybe veterinarians, of course, or pet parents want to find out a little bit more information about the pedicle tie and maybe, you know, they could recommend it to their vets or maybe their vets can find out a little bit more about it, where can they go for more information? Right. Well, there's an organization called the Humane Alliance, uh, which is based out of North Carolina, and they have, they have a website with some, uh, some really good training materials. Um, and they also do a lot of training for veterinarians who are interested in learning about uh, these uh, more rapid techniques, these high-quality, high-volume spay-neuter techniques. 
So the pedicle tie seems to be safer, more effective, and of course it uh, saves time. So something right. yep. definitely look into. And you know, uh, Dr. Miller, I can't let you go without finding out two two more things actually. One is about the uh, Oregon State University and uh, your College of Veterinary Medicine program there and all. Do you work with like small animals, or is it specifically working with? Is is the school directed more towards livestock, cattle, kind of, or is it all animals in general? Correct. It's all animals in general. Um, and what I in particular do is I teach fourth year veterinary students their small animal primary care or general practice rotation and it's at the Oregon Humane Society. So students come up to the Oregon Humane Society uh, from the vet school, which is about two hours away, and they live at the Oregon Humane Society for three weeks, and they uh, do a lot of the medical care and surgical care for all the the animals there. So the students get the hands-on experience that they need to be ready to go out into practice, and the the animals get all the care that they need. So it's an excellent win-win program. Sounds good. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't get to do that in vet school. I wish I had. I didn't either. These things change, yeah. sometimes for the better. For very, <laughs> yeah, it's very good. <laughs> now, Dr. Miller, if you start playing the 80s music during those sessions, everything will be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you about the uh, Portland Humane Society. Just so people know, I mean, we always say on the show, adopt from your local humane society and all, and um, if you're looking for a pet. And can you just let people know, because uh, we're carried on KBNP, especially there in Portland, Oregon, and a good friend of ours in the show, and, uh, you know, Keith and Jenny and the family, Keith Lyons and all, and um, I know he promotes it as well, but um, pe- why should people adopt from the Portland Humane Society, and what will they find there? Because a lot of people think they're only going to find mixed breeds and stuff like that, but they're also going to find purebreds and other types of animals, right? Right, yeah, so it's, so it's actually so it's the Oregon Humane Society, and um, we take in about 12,000 animals per year. The average stay is only about nine days, so we've always got new animals coming and going. We have purebred dogs, we have mixed-breed dogs, we have small dogs, big dogs, and lots of cats available for adoption. Let me ask you, too, when you said the average stay is about nine days, is that meaning that they're adopted, or does that mean that you're, a, you're not a no-kill um, shelter and, you know, basically at that point... Time is up. Right. No, so th- uh, no, nobody's time is ever up. That's just the average stay. Um, we're always trying to get animals into new homes as fast as okay. possible. Um, you know, puppies and kittens fly out the door fast. Um, you know, your older pets sometimes, uh, sometimes wait a little bit longer. But we absolutely uh, never euthanize an animal because of the length of time that they're there. Uh, we have a 98% save rate, meaning 98% of the animals that come in are going to leave alive. Um, the only animals we don't save are ones that unfortunately have really, really serious medical conditions. Does the um, the Portland Humane Society, do you guys have a website that people can go and check out, maybe, you know, adoption and procedures and maybe what animals are there, or, and even your address in the Portland area? Right, absolutely. Um so we're at uh, 1067 Northeast Columbia Boulevard, um, and you can uh, just put Oregon Humane Society into your uh, into your browser, and we have a, a fantastic website that's updated continuously and uh, has pictures and information about all the pets that are available for adoption. 
Sounds good. Dr. Kirk Miller, I want to thank you for joining us and uh, filling us in about the pedicle tie and then also, of course, about your Humane Society and the College of Veterinary Medicine right. in Oregon State. So um, uh, have a great rest of the weekend. And I think, are you at your daughter's recital or something? Uh, she's at her violin class, yeah. Ah, okay. So, that's, well, how, how long has she been playing the violin? Um, she's eight years old. She's been playing off and on for about three years. Wow. That's great, and she loves it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes it takes a little encouragement to get her to practice, but uh, but mostly she loves it. Yeah, I know when I was a kid, actually, I always wanted to learn how to play the piano or guitar, and my dad was like, oh, you'll get bored with it. But now, I, years later and being older, I wish, you know, my dad stuck with me on that one and gave me the chance, because I never even had the chance, so that's great that your daughter's playing the violin. Yeah, sometimes you have to push him a little bit, yeah. but I played the violin for a while. It's great. I really think it helps. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Skilled in many categories there, so. <laughs> well, I want to thank Dr. Miller personally for the great work that they do out there and for putting these things out there, because that's how other vets learn how to do procedures is through looking at the peer-reviewed jur journals and finding out what really works and you know what the science behind it is so thank you great well thank you very much and thanks for having me on today anytime thanks thank you so much dr miller have a great rest of the day okay you too give our best to your daughter oh sure thing <laughs> that's dr kirk miller of course and um you can find out a little bit more information about him but he is actually the clinical instructor with the College of Veterinary Medicine at Oregon State University and also the practicing veterinarian with the Oregon Humane Society in Portland. Uh, again, thanks to, a big thanks to Keith and Jenny and the family out there, uh, the Lions family, for carrying the program all these years in Portland on KBNP. If you're listening, give us a call, 844-287-2876, 844-287-2876. We're open to your calls and questions. If you've got a medical question or a behavior question, pick up the phone and give us a call. We want to hear from you, 844-287-2876. And don't forget to check us out at TalkinPets.com. There's some great information on there. And also check out, there's a contest going on with Oster, and you can win some Oster products. And uh, for grooming and all for your pets, check out that on our homepage as well. You'll see the little banner there that you can click on, goodnewsforpets.com is the site. It'll take you there and you could register. It'll take you 30 seconds to fill it out and you can win some pet products. So do it today. Again, TalkinPets.com. I'm John Patch. I'm Dr. Sue Tober. I'm Lexi Lapp. And I'm Lou Costello. And this is Talkin' Pets. Hi, Jill. I see you and Bella are enjoying this lovely day as well. It's a perfect day for a walk. Isn't that right, Bella? And what a colorful ID tag you have, Bella. It certainly puts my Rusty's boring engraved tag to shame. Isn't it great? It's a dog tag art tag. Dog tag art? Yeah. Dog tag art makes the world's coolest pet ID tags. Pick from hundreds of cute designs or upload your photos or artwork to create a unique tag of your own. They even give you four lines of text on the back of the tag for important contact information. I love it. But do they hold up? We have to replace Rusty's metal tags so often because the information wears away. Dog tag art tags are some of the highest quality pet tags out there. They're made with super durable stainless steel. Your information is always legible and the tags are guaranteed for life. Well, I'm sold. Where can I get my dog tag art tag for Rusty? Dogtagart.com. Shopping there is so easy and fun. You're sure to find one that matches Rusty's personality perfectly. Sounds great. We can't wait to get online and get a tag of our own. <laughs> 
dogtagart.com. We keep best friends together. Use the coupon code RADIO for a 25% discount off any tag. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey everybody, Bob Page here, and welcome to another edition of Talking Pets Rewind. In this installment, John gives another listener advice on how to handle those tough kitty litter troubles. Out to Helena, Montana, and Evelyn. Hey, Evelyn. Thank you, darling. Well, I'm frantic about this crazy little critter. I brought him in from the alley and got him fixed and cleaned up and gave him brand new haircut and everything because he was in a horrible state of affairs. They dumped him. Somebody left him, you know. It's not a possum, is it? Oh, no, no, no <laughs> possum. He's my kitty cat. Oh, okay. He's a boy cat, and he's so sweet. And he's a, a paladox. What do you call it? What, the six toes? Mm-hmm. But we he, call them special. Yeah, yeah. You know, he is. He's yeah. so lovable. God love him. I don't see how anybody could throw him away there like they did. Anyway, I've had him a year now. Last winter, he was wonderful. He'd poo and pee in the poo pans, you know. Uh, all of a sudden, here it is. We, we're freezing our tutus off. Is it something Your tutus. Trying <laughs> to be nice. <laughs> but honestly, God, it's so cold and the snow is piling up, you know, and he insists on peeing and pooing out in that no part of my French. That snow. <laughs> <laughs> and he won't use the poop pen. Now, what is wrong with him? I'm, I'm frantic. I don't know what to do. I don't have to put him out every cotton pick in 20 minutes, you know? One of the things, though, too, Evelyn, if he's used to going outside, which he's an outdoor cat. He was cat, when he was deserted. So he's used to that out there, going I outside. I know, but to use the poop pen, wonderful, all last winter. And now, all of a sudden, he walks past it and wants outside. Makes me furious. It's like you're going to have to retrain him again to be an indoor cat. And then once yeah. you get him trained to be an indoor cat again, you have to keep him as an indoor cat and not kind of renew and say, oh, poor kitty, and let him well, out again. he raises, he yells, you know, meow, meow. He's a very demanding cat, isn't yes, he? Yes, he is. He's a little stinker. You come back with a boo. <laughs> and everybody said, that, they said, hey, uh, that cat had been dead years ago if it had been in my house. I said, I can't do that. I brought that life home from the, you know, the animal shelter. The shelter. One of the things I want to state, too, is if a cat stops using the litter box, it's the poo pen. The poo pen. That's the new poo <laughs> <laughs> <The> pen. <laughs> but um, one of the things you want to do is make sure you keep the cat in the area of its litter box. And then as you see that the cat is starting to use the litter box again, then you can gradually let it have room at the house again. But right. what a lot of people do is they say, oh, my cat's pooing all over the house or peeing all over the house. And then they still let him run all over the house. You know, so if you don't have the cat restricted to the poo pen area, uh, then you're going to have problems. Really is some pretty good advice from John and professional trainer Maria Piaz, but uh, I gotta be honest with you guys. Training calls like that make for a great talking pet show. Mm, but if you really want to be on one of the you know super cool talking pet rewind installments, hey, just call up and say poop pen. The poop pen. He used the poop pen. Wonderful. It's the poop pen. The poop pen. That's the new <laughs> poop pen. To the poop pen area. A few too many times, and I'm sure I'll work you right in. We're talking pets. Rewind. I'm Bob Page. Every breath you take. 
love it. <laughs> yes, you do. Come on, I know you know this one, right? Yes, I know this one. <laughs> Lexi, do you know these? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love 80s. It's like one of my favorite genres. You know, it's funny because a lot of the younger generation, like yourself, mm-hmm. uh, I hate saying that. <laughs> oh, me too, but... <laughs> but it's true. Hey, we're still here, John. Yeah, exactly. That's good. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, I think our age, you know, or my age, I'm older than you. No, um, no you're not. Really? I don't think so. Mm, we're close then. We'll compare. But later, um, later, <laughs> later <laughs> off the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think we, I get, we appreciate the eighties because we lived mm-hmm. in them, and and the music and the fashion and just everything about it was just phenomenal. But I think the new, like the young generation, Lexi's age in the twenties, I think they appreciate the eighties for the most part. I think, right? At least a lot for their music, not maybe. The style, well, even the style. I mean, a lot of the eighties. All the stuff. loud colors and well, yeah. the big hair. Yeah, the big hair. <laughs> yeah. I remember all the girls with big hair? It was like hairspray from hell. It was just. <laughs> but I think that is a huge thing: is that we do appreciate the music because a lot of this generation does love music. Like that's a huge thing in a lot of kids' lives. I remember music. the big things for the guys mm-hmm. back then with the parachute pants. <laughs> all right. Do you remember those? Uh huh. <laughs> and the funny part was, you'd walk and it'd be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the material yeah. wasn't as the fabric wasn't as good as no. it is now. <laughs> I mean, you, it was the funniest thing because you would hear yourself walking. It, you know, it was like you had big thighs or something. It was like, <laughs> but we were cool. <laughs> oh, not. <geez. laughs> hey, I was. <laughs> yes, you were, John. I think I probably met you in the eighties, actually. Wow, was it the eighties? Might have. No, been. I think no. It actually was. It was nineteen. 19- 1990. Was it? Okay. Yeah. You have a better memory than me then. 1990, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was 1990. So, wow, right after the 80s. Right. Wow. We knew all the time. music. Yes, it is. <laughs> Very long time. Well, we are old. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Speaking of age, though, I mean, like when we were talking with Dr. Miller about spay and neuter and everything, what is, like, what's the youngest age that's recommended for for pets a cat or a dog and does it make a difference what's the youngest age that you can actually spare neuter an animal well they have done them very very young like puppies and kittens i know that many humane societies i can't speak 100 percent for knowing what they're doing everywhere right now but they were doing puppies and kittens at six eight weeks very young and i think some of that's because people don't do it if you let them go without having them neutered and and that's a problem. I mean, even if they sign a contract, a lot of people won't follow through. So they were t- trying to get the spays and neuters done before the puppies and kittens left. Um, I'm a little more old school. I usually do mine about six months of age or thereabouts, pretty much. Um, like to get them before that first heat cycle is in. But again, there may be some literature that I don't know about right now that even contradicts that. So you get controversy on that. You truly do. I think it's with with anything, though, in life. I mean, everybody and every individual has their own opinion on things. Oh, absolutely. If you ask 20 people, 20 answers. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you tell a story to one person, by the time it gets to the 20th, it's always changed. Sure. I mean, that whole kind of theory. But I had, I mean, I'm kind of old school, too, I guess, through the show. And then, you know, and, and all the doctors like yourself that I know and everything, most of them, you know, growing up with the show was six months. Right. But, but I have heard a lot more people now saying, yeah, you could do it, you know, after, you know, eight to ten weeks or something right. like that. And, and, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, mean, and a lot of the Humane Society type places do that. And, again, like I say, it's because they have to get it done. 
and it is hard to get people to comply. I mean, I understand that. That can be a problem. When, when an animal, and you're talking like in a younger age, I mean, they always say that you shouldn't adopt an animal until it's at least eight weeks old because um, this way it's got two months basically to be socialized by the mother, by mm-hmm. the parents. And well, what about if you're doing a procedure like this at eight weeks of age? Does that traumatize an animal in any way? Well, I mean, obviously Being we young. yeah we try to use we use good anesthetics and and good pain relief now much better than the eighties. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah. if you want to bring that up, I mean, <laughs> Back to the those 80s. things yeah. have come such a long way in terms of the studies and the the protocols for controlling pain. And you know, veterinarians are very tuned into that. And young animals do recover very very quickly. So I don't think it you know it doesn't scar them for life or anything. No, if it's well done and the procedure is done well and the pain relief is managed it's i wouldn't see it as a problem at all well what about on the other side of the coin for geriatric i mean say somebody had a dog that was eight years old nine years old and a smaller dog where the expectancy might be 12 to 15 years um and then all of a sudden eight years old maybe they adopted it or something from somebody and it wasn't neutered or spayed Mm -hmm. and they wanted to get it done Uh, one should they um two at that age, eight, nine, w- would that female, would, would, would the female actually give birth? I mean, would she, oh, sure. she would get pregnant? Absolutely. There really isn't like a menopause Not for, for dogs, dogs and cats. cats. They, if they're healthy, they can continue to breed to an advanced age. But So that's a great question, really, John. And I've done, I'd have to say in my 30-year career, a lot of older dogs some of them have been not because i wanted to but because they had a problem like an infected uterus for example what we call a pyometra and it has to come out but i've also had enough people who as you said maybe they got the dog a little bit older and they're trying to even though it won't totally stop mammary cancer for example it may minimize it to some extent or hopefully prevent them from winding up with a pyometra if you get that uterus out now while they're still you know healthy as opposed to having to do it when you're backed against the wall and the animal's sick and and you know could get septic on you so it's the main thing is trying to be sure and i know dr miller kind of alluded to this that we we try to make sure the animal's in as best shape as possible we do pre-op blood work like they would on you or I, you would never go under anesthesia without them doing blood work or whatever other workup it took to check to be sure that you could handle that as best as possible. You know, check your liver, your kidneys. If there was any question about your heart, you know, you might look into that in an older animal or recommend some x-rays first. So we really just try to make sure that they're a good candidate for the anesthesia. And then, you know, of course, like he also said, do it as quickly as you can within staying safe and and get them up off the table as fast as you can and use good pain relief so they're not stressed and so yes we do do them in older animals and it really just depends on the situation and you know your veterinarian you work with them on what needs to be done for that and they say actually well the neutering is a lot more simpler than spaying correct yeah only in that you're not going into the abdomen a spay and people always you know i'm sometimes still constantly amazed that some people see it as it's like an oil change you know it's just a routine thing because we think of it that way but really is an abdominal procedure like it would be on a woman and we send these dogs home the same day pretty amazing you know as opposed to i would be in the hospital for at least a couple days Mm -hmm. used to be longer even in the old days but um so that is going into the abdomen more invasive, whereas when you neuter, it's not as invasive. You're not going into the body cavity. 
you know, when you're saying going back in, in time, and I think, what did they do in cavemen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's neuter this. Let's space. I mean, what did they do? Beat it with a rock? They didn't. <laughs> they just didn't do it. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's everybody it, kept life everything. Life expectancy was five days back then versus. <laughs> yeah, you kept your stuff back then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the other thing, too, is with the spay and neuter. Um, anesthesia we mentioned that with dr miller mm-hmm. um there always is a chance right that something could go wrong and oh, for absolutely. people at, and as well as pets right and people are very cognizant of that i mean you hear the stories all the time somebody can go in for a routine procedure and be totally healthy and have an anesthetic complication or a reaction or something and so yes i mean it's not without some degree of risk and i could never you know you have to always have that level of <laughs> you know just be very very careful and never take it lightly my boyfriend's cat um my boyfriend's mom's cat went blind from getting fixed and all that and they even did the blood work to make sure that he would be okay and then when he came back out he's been blind ever since and he's like maybe is that typical i mean that could happen it's not typical but yes things like that can happen like maybe some kind of problem with the blood supply you know, or a mm-hmm. clot or something like that that formed. It, I mean, it would be impossible to know, you know, because... He's fine. He's just, he just is blind. For the most part, yeah. he can kind of see shadows or the red dot, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird because we had a friend that went in, she went in for a hysterectomy, and she never came home. Right. Um, and you mentioned blood clot, and there was a complication. She got a blood clot, and she died, you know, just from the hysterectomy. Yeah, and I mean, things can happen, and they're rare, luckily, but that's no consolation if you're the one that happens to. You can't prevent it. I mean, You do everything you can to try to not, you know, to predict that everything is as good as it can be, but you can't ever be 100%. We're going to take a little break. We're going to go back with Alice in Vancouver, Washington. has a question about spaying. So, Alice, don't go away. We'll be right back. Once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. Don't forget you can check us out at TalkinPets.com, T-A-L-K-I-N, Pets.com. Please do, and join us on Facebook and Twitter. Also, you can uh, go to TalkinPets.com. There's a great contest on there from GoodNewsForPets.com and the Oster Company. You can win some of their products. Just fill out the form. It takes about 30 seconds, and you're good to go. And you might even win another contest because they run one every month. So check that out today. Once again, you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Active for Pets is a new wellness platform and app that helps pet parents save time and money on their vet bills. Stop paying for unnecessary vet treatments. Consult with a vet online. Get unlimited access to your pet's entire health history from any computer or smartphone with the Active for Pets app. Vaccinations, medications, test results, and more. Active 4 Pets gives you access to a team of expert vets for non-emergency care. Make an appointment before, during, or after office hours. Skip the waiting room and get a secure online vet consult on your schedule. Taking care of your pets is as easy as it gets with Active 4 Pets. Ready to try Active 4 Pets? Listeners get 40% off a one-year membership. To get this great offer, use promo code PETLIFE on the sign-up page of Active4Pets.com. That's A-C-T-I-V, the number 4, P-E-T-S dot com. Or call 888-512-2848. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, 
hippest and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Legislation considers allowing pets in domestic violence shelters. Some lawmakers in Washington, D.C. want to implement a national policy to help domestic violence victims escape to safety with their pets. The PAWS Act, or of 2015 or pets and women's safety act was introduced in congress last month month and it's about and it's been sent to subcommittee it aims to establish a grant program so that more shelters can accommodate both human and animal domestic violence victims according to the humane society of the united states about three percent of domestic violence shelters in the u.s accept pets reporting from talking pets i'm lexi lap remember to visit our facebook page and join us on facebook and twitter we can go where we want to Oh, come on. Take me to an 80s concert, Dr. Sue, and you'll just hear me the whole time. <laughs> Are there any? Sing I it. Don't I don't think know. I've seen any. I sing like it. Singing up a storm now. Sing it. So, you know, a good friend of mine is actually... Do you remember the group Erasure? No. Yeah, Andy Bell, actually. Uh, he's touring again from the really? 80s. Yeah. Uh, Chains of Love. You know I do remember yeah. that song, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Cool guy. Well, once again, you're listening to Talking Pets, and we want to talk with you, so pick up the phone and give us a call at 844-287-2876. Alice in Vancouver, Washington. Hey, Alice, how you doing? I am doing well. Hi, John. It's nice Great to hear music. from you. The Great music. The what? music. You like the music? Can you hear me? Yeah, you like the music? Yes, very much. Good, good. Yeah, the 80s. You couldn't beat the 80s, right? Yeah, it was rocking. It was good. No, yeah, that, that, was, that was the best. I, I take it, Alice, you're in our category. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have a question for you. Oh, gosh, about four or five years ago, uh, we took in a stray, a female, and she was great and turned out to be pregnant, and uh, we worked with a local uh, shelter named Furry Friends who helped us uh, procure food for the kittens. And, and uh, of course, we loved them to death. And they were gone so fast because they'd been raised with love. And people saw that when we, uh, we showed them at, uh, let's see, PetSmart. And uh, they were just gone in no time. Unfortunately, we had wanted to keep some of them. But we did keep the mother. And at two pounds was the time that they decided to take them in to spay them the females and, of course, neuter the males. And uh, when I took my older, the mother in to my regular physician, my uh, veterinarian, um, he redid the surgery because he said the procedure that the free vets do was a quick one that attached to some muscle in the stomach area and caused pain to the, the cat. So he redid it. And I was just wondering, um, that isn't what the guy from Oregon was talking about, was it? That's a newer procedure. 
Right. No, no. I'm sure he wasn't talking about that, Alice. Because uh, yeah. I wish I wish I knew exactly what you meant because I'm not sure. Yeah, I do too. I'm not a vet. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I might have to try to Google that, but something attached to the stomach, I wonder if he's talking about some scar tissue or something. Was your cat having problems? He just noticed it. He said it could, as it healed, cause problems. Okay. Um, and it's used because it's a very quick method, uh, and it's easy for a vet who is not charging. And it, it sounds like, he, in his opinion at least, it was the procedure uh, with the animal's best health, not in mind, yeah. but just just to get them fixed and get them back out on the street, so to speak. You right. know, except mine was for my own personal friend, sure. you know. Right. And I kind so of have a couple ideas, which I can't even, you know, it would be a total guess yeah. of what he might yeah. have meant, but... I mean, I just so then he went back in through the bottom of the abdomen, right? Like through the belly right. wall and did it like the traditional way. Okay. And then was she right. okay after that? Yeah. yeah. Good. She's, uh, she's uh, fat and sassy and rules the house. <laughs> <laughs> Most cats never, do. <laughs> never knew she was as gray. <laughs> so That's crazy. as it should be. Yeah. It's it's like uh, I just feel that way with my two cats. I just I just take care of the house and clean it and feed them. I'm I'm their servant. <laughs> right. <laughs> they own it. They lay around and you know snooze the day away. Yeah. But no, I to reassure you, Alice, that was not um, what Doctor Miller was talking about. It was kind of just a different way of when we say ligate, we mean to tie off that blood vessel right. that feeds the ovary so that you can then remove it. But it was kind of just a different way of doing it, but not like. I'm sure it's not what you were talking about at all now. Because the end right, result's I, the same, guess, ovary and uterus come out. Yes, all I was trying to say was check with a vet, a regular vet after you've had them neutered if you're working with someone who does it for free because right. I don't know what procedure they are using and apparently there at least used to be one that uh, was very easy to do but not necessarily good for the beastie. Well, that's good advice, I think, Alice, yeah. And that all the more always. reason, like you said, to bring them then and establish a relationship with somebody and, you know. Always, always, yes, definitely. Okay, I'll let you go. Thank Thanks, you for your Alice. help. Thanks, Alice. Nice to hear from you. You too. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Have a good weekend. Take care, Alice. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. That's Alice out there in Vancouver, Washington. Once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. 844-287-2876. 844-287-2876. Have you heard of complications, though, like, like when they go in to spay um, a cat, for instance, a female cat, that there could be problems with muscles or anything like that? Because I know when I had my heart surgery, I had open heart, and ever since then, I've, I don't know if it's related or not, but I've had a lot of abdominal issues. Mm-hmm. And um, I can only assume it might be something... It could happen. Sure, John. Like an adhesion you might be talking about, like some scar tissue that forms. Because anytime you disrupt something, you know, you do surgery, you tie something off, you change or disrupt something, sometimes the body can even overreact a little bit, form some adhesion or scar tissue that can bind something down. I mean, again, that's just, I know I'm throwing out vague symptoms. And, of course, the biggest complication, as Dr. Miller also said when he spoke is something bleeding something actually hemorrhaging during the surgery you know and the animal losing too much blood or bleeding into their abdomen afterwards those are kind of things we look at or you know problems with kidneys or liver because of an anesthetic reaction that sort of thing 
Well, don't forget to spay and neuter your pets and help control that pet population. If you're looking to adopt a pet, go to your local animal shelter or your rescue group and adopt them there. A big thank you to Dr. Kirk Miller, um, and thank you for joining us and filling us in about the pedicle tie. Well, once again, I'm John Patch. I'm Dr. Suzanne Toper. And I'm the man without a hat. And don't forget to check out TalkinPets.com, T-A-L-K-I-N-Pets.com, and join us on Facebook and Twitter. Bye for now in this hour of Talking Pets. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.